0: And dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do cause you cool with them. They be like I only went to school with them. Let's get it.
1: Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesusy podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew, I use he him pronouns, I'm Asian.
0: And I'm Bethany, I use she her pronouns, and I'm a black woman.
2: And I'm Chris, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm white. We'd like to start off our podcast by talking about
1: stuff that we wish we'd mentioned or want to clarify or correct from previous episodes.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if this is exactly a correction, but it's something that I want to add um, from the Black Girl episode. Towards the end, we started talking about the ways in which we think that Jesus is not speaking about sex but we really didn't go into any concrete theology um or even scriptures um probably because andrew wasn't in that episode because he's not a black girl he's usually uh-huh. our go-to theologian i technically um, but was I just, in that episode <laughs> at the beginning at the beginning making me think that you were a very confident white man uh-huh. that i should just yeah. say yes to um but yeah, I just wanted to note that there is a lot of um, theology and work out there that folks are doing, and I'm still learning about it. So mm. yeah, that's my correction.
1: Which isn't even necessarily a correction. I mean, one of the things that I liked about that episode was it was just like the three of you talking about stuff that was real. Um, and like, you know, you don't need to be citing Dolores Williams or whatever in like in, in any casual conversation um Mm -hmm. like there are resources out there and we try to draw on them but like you guys were talking out of your life experience which is totally valid and made for a really cool conversation which i enjoyed Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i
0: guess my encouragement is to is for folks to like seek out the theology and their own theology and what suits them in community with others right Mm -hmm. so like Me, Rachel, and Devon are actively working on what does it look like for us to both tear down the problematic theology and problematic frameworks of the Christian church on the woman's body and specifically the black woman's body because it's so often viewed as like a sexual item, a sexual product. It's Mm -hmm. over-sexualized. So how do we... rid ourselves of that and how we've internalized that but also find some goodness and the truth that Jesus and um, God is speaking to us about how we relate to sex particularly as single women
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah
0: I think it's best worked out in community with other people that have similar experiences
1: yeah for sure and that came out in that conversation definitely Um, so I guess what we wanted to talk about today um I, we like we're kicking around a bunch of ideas and uh chris you wanted to talk about Where, the idea where's all that
2: confidence in that like bass voice you had at the beginning andrew <laughs> what I'm, I'm andrew and this is what we're talking about today what, what I, is my what voice getting
1: higher <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're nervous your voice gets higher
1: I have to remember to sound like a confident white man.
2: (laughs) 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 All right, Andrew, introduce it again. Hello. Hello. Welcome (laughs) to Color Correction. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, I guess, like, I I mean, I I am kind of nervous, partially because, like, this is kind of a fraught subject. And it's so, it's like, it's got a lot of interesting tendrils and a bunch of different Mm -hmm. stuff that we're interested in, specifically the subject of work productivity, our worth when it comes to our work. But I do want to like bring, make it like personal here and bring it into yeah. like the actual ground level of where we're at. So, Chris, can you like talk to me about like why it is that you wanted to talk about this in the first place?
2: Yeah, um, my friend Cassie posted this. Um, hello, Cassie, if you're listening. And um, it comes from Lee McKay do, who, um who is a therapist who has an Instagram account, um, Therapy with Lee. Um and it's and it says internalized capitalism looks like and then has these bullets Feeling guilty for resting your self-worth is largely based on doing well in your career, placing productivity before health, believing that hard work equals happiness, feeling lazy even when you're experiencing pain, trauma, or adversity, and using busyness as a way to avoid your needs. Um and I have just I have my own issues with with my job and um how my performances um how I feel used a lot of times at work how i um, how I feel underpaid um, I was thinking about that in light of um, this year how um i'm I hear from a lot of people that they're they're working harder um even from home and Mm-hmm. it's interesting, um, even as I'm, like, complaining a little bit about, a bit about my job, they actually did um, change their policies this year around performance reviews. Um, they're not really doing them um, to give people a, a break. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I get I it. Are you saying you appreciate
1: then, that your workplace is doing this?
2: I am saying that. I am saying that. So I'm, I'm actually saying a couple of things. I'm, I'm saying, like, I wish, personally, I was paid more. Um, yeah, when I compare my performance uh, against my coworkers, and I also appreciate this uh, change because I was really not looking forward to another year of, of goal setting and not getting a raise. Mm.
1: You know what my therapist tells me all the time? He tells me that I'm too that I sound too nice <laughs> because even when I complain, I like try to defend the thing that I'm complaining against. And I feel mm. a little bit like you're doing that right now, Chris. <laughs> Like you're try you're complaining about your workplace, saying that you're underpaid, but you're also saying like. But on the other hand, they're being oh, pretty no, nice I, about like, not doing no, your, like, not doing performance. I,
2: I was I was not going to do another round of goals setting.
1: I mean, I get that, but like, why is it that this meme like resonated with you though? Is what I want to know. Um,
2: because I think I fall into this category of um, just feeling overworked, but also mm-hmm. um. Well, I, I was I was I was telling you at the beginning, I I actually have a at, at my job I've actually written a performance ma- manual that's like fifty or sixty pages. Um no one asked me to do that. <laughs> I um mm. I think a lot about procedures and how to get things done and I I sort of like try to communicate that so other people can do the same right. job. Um so, so you I, feel I, like
1: you're good at your job basically i
2: I am yeah, but what
1: the, why does the meme speak to you though <laughs> because you're good um, at your job?
0: Andrew is fed up if you don't answer that no, question that's Chris...
2: i it, it's true it's like I got us here. I want to know um, because I'm like i i, I um I'm this well, the the other side of this is like I spend a lot of my time feeling resentful
1: mm, um, that's what i that's great. Tell me more about that yeah that's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's messy. Give me no, more it, of that.
2: <laughs> it is. I, I go into a lot of I go in into a lot of meetings with this mm-hmm. goal of like saying nothing. Like let other people rise to the occasion and speak so they can damn themselves. <laughs> um and it's so like that that's a, a really great mentality to be going into meetings with in the first place. Super cool. And also it's just um yeah, I've 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 worked eleven years of this job where like I don't feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel taken advantage of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you could just say that Beth. <laughs> Beth is Beth just typed Andrew. How dare you drink <laughs> seltzer in my presence? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm not going to apologize <laughs> for that.
2: <laughs> so, all that to say. Um, that I have spent a lot of my own energy in this in this place of yeah. anger and resentment mm-hmm. in the workplace
1: no I get what you're saying because you're you're very productive you're good at your job but at the same time you feel like it has come at the expense of certain things i yeah. mean I look at this meme and I think to myself like yeah I, I i do all of these things to an extent but it also has made me like it also has put me ahead and I definitely think part of my self-worth is based on like, Oh, I'm like, I, am really good at applying myself. Yeah. Um,
2: historically I have always felt like a, a cog
1: in generally all of my jobs. I mean, I can probably say the same thing. Like in my experience, probably like in the way that I was raised, my parents, Asian immigrants coming to this country had this idea that like America is a place where if you work hard, you get ahead and also like those ideas are ingrained into like the chinese culture that like you want to try to get certain advantages educational advantages so you can get career advantages so you can get ahead um and you do that by you know eating bitterness is the idea <laughs> like that's the that's how you translate it like you just you 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 suffer through stuff that's unpleasant so that you can get out the other side um so, I mean that's definitely how the way that my parents taught me to approach work and not just work but like like i don't know anything that requires like effort um I don't know, Beth, can you find yourself anywhere in this in the in this conversation that we're having? do you connect with what we're talking about?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like as a black person and as a woman who's first um introduction to the workforce was working for a law firm that like foreclosed and evicted people and it's like super dehumanizing and just like like super paper pushing work Mm -hmm. that i don't expect jobs to recognize my humanity i kind of just work as a product as a laborer
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: and that's just what it is
1: that is interesting that you're saying that you don't expect jobs to recognize your humanity
0: And there's like a limit to that, but I definitely don't expect the job to treat me nicely.
2: Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that, Chris? Well, yeah. Um, Guess and no. I mean, how do I want to say this? I I, I feel much the same way. And um, it's at the very least irritating to when you start counting the time you've spent at a place. Um, Mm -hmm. like it's a long Mm -hmm. day to just be Mm -hmm. underappreciated and, and, you know, like a lot of us do that every day, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it gets, even if you don't come in with expectations, like I still have some for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, and I, there is a conflict there about, about like putting up with that and like inside my own body and mind. Mhm putting up with the fact that your job ultimately cares about how, what you
1: cares about you in the in in terms of what you can do for the job, right? Right.
0: I guess yeah, when I worked for the law firm, I guess I did feel really I think when I worked there, I recognized that I didn't get satisfaction or feel Whole or like I was walking in my purpose from working there, so I did a lot of stuff outside of that. Like I mm-hmm. considered my job to fund my passions mm-hmm. now, I can more closely connect the work that I do to, on a day to day basis to my passions to ending oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I worked for the law firm, I was like, okay, you make my life cushy enough, right? I can, I have housing. I have a car, all that stuff that funds my ability to do the things that I'm actually passionate about. Mm -hmm. Like I switched the framework from which I related to my job.
1: Right. Yeah, I get that. I mean, we're dancing around this particular, how do we want to?
0: I think we're talking about worth and dignity Mm -hmm. and how does that play into how we feel at work or what do we think about working in capitalism in relationship to our humanity?
1: Yeah. I mean, Beth, what you're saying is what you just said about how like your previous job had nothing to do with your values. Your current job is more aligned with your values, Mm -hmm. but like at the end of the day, it is like a job. Mm -hmm. Do you think that like, like, do you still feel like a cog in, in this particular job, even though you think it's more meaningful?
0: I mean, like a cog in the system in general, you know what I mean? Like I kind of just recognize that, that Mm -hmm. like if I work for a nonprofit that like um, houses homeless populations and I work in employment um, workforce development for young adults. So like, yeah, that feels good, but it's still a nonprofit. Like nonprofits, Mm -hmm. I've never met anybody that has founded uh, a nonprofit that is actually trying to end the thing that they're working against, right? Like, mm-hmm. when I go to work every day, and I get these young adults jobs, my goal is to not have a job anymore, that every one of them has a pipeline to employment, and that I'm gonna have to go work for the law firm or something again, right? Like, I want to end the thing that
2: uh-huh. I'm working
0: against. And <laughs> like, you I got a job,
2: like, but you can't keep your house.
0: <laughs> right. But like, yeah, I don't feel like nonprofits are actually trying to end the thing that they're working against mm. and like I'm a cog in that system. Sure. You know what mm. I mean? Well, yeah, I mean I let's
1: mean, let's talk let's go into that. I guess. like Beth, you were just talking about how the previous job didn't align with your values at all. The current job mm-hmm. is still like it, it does, but you recognize that to an extent
2: you're still part of you're still part system. of a system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think about that too. I mean, the so I am trying to figure. I am trying to get out of this job and and move into something nonprofit. Um, in the like in the vein of participatory defense, and that's a, that's like a that's a really convicting thought. Is um, yeah, I'm I'm actually asking to be paid to do this work, in, in which case means that like. In the ultimate event that, like, we change the the existing legal system, I'll be out of I'll be out of a job, like, or I'll be in a position where I just um, perpetuate a cycle so I can stay employed.
0: I mean, do we disagree with capitalism as a whole? Because that's what we're referring to, right? Like a system where you have to work to prove your value to make money. Whoever's considered more valuable makes more money. Do we believe that that system? works is it efficient do we like it
2: no
1: (laughs) okay yeah why not chris um i don't know like Besides because, the fact that that's the right thing to say when you're hanging out with well, leftists, why not?
2: No, be- well, I mean, because there are so. For one thing, there are so many bad AOC jobs. AOC and her <laughs> green new deal. Uh-huh. For, yeah, for one thing, like there I, just there are just so many bad jobs out there that like. Okay. Um, like you know, I, I even think about like when we have when we have someone come through one of our hubs who needs work, um, like. They'll take anything. And I just like, mm-hmm. I, I even think like some of the things that, like, it's not like we have jobs to offer, but like some of the, some of the like leads, they're not great. Like working in okay. fast food, that's not a job. Or like, Why do you say that? I don't know, because that food is terrible.
0: <laughs> I think any employment is like good employment. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I'm eating hot wings right now. I that's need true. somebody to bring me my hot wings or like, I- Cook my hot wings. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's all valuable or good employment. Yeah. And I think you're saying it's not a job because it doesn't really make money. But right. I don't think that's... I don't think the actual position is the issue. I think it's the value that we put on the position. That's yeah.
2: the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe... Yeah, maybe if, if like, people were paid what they were worth, I would have mm-hmm. more more faith in capitalism. But, like... Paid what they were worth as the, was what workers, yeah, yeah, or, or they, as human beings. Well,
0: How do we determine?
1: How that? do we determine worth? Which is really what we're talking yeah. about. Which, well, and we've been uh, dancing around the subject. I, I mean, let,
0: like I let even... Jesus determine my worth.
1: Well, thanks for it's. Thanks for jumping right to the end, Ben. <laughs> well, but even <laughs> like even in <laughs> episode
2: over, <laughs> like capitalism doesn't the the way it exists, uh-huh. it doesn't really value labor. Um, mm-hmm. Because the people who work the hardest make the least. So there's there's definitely a, um, a tension there with, like, how well it even believes in itself. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess that is true. You know, like, it's it's not the people who do the most and work the hardest who make the most. Mm-hmm. Like, if that was true, your fast food workers, your, your teachers, your postal workers, those people would be millionaires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the people but there who are some their, jobs. Their bodies behind it, like they'd make bank.
0: There are some jobs that require a lot of work and you do make good money, right? So, like welding, yeah. masonry, um, construction. I think a part of the issue is who has access to gaining skills to get well paid jobs, right? And when you yeah. start thinking about it that way, um, I think you start seeing racial disparities like who's getting access to um, a carpentry class or you know what I mean? Like, how do you gain these skills if you don't already have some sort of capital or capital in your family?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I had I had something I was going to say, but I totally I've lost the thread. (laughs) Uh, We started by talking about we, we talked about like Beth suggested, like maybe what we're talking about is whether we think capitalism works. And Chris said no, and I said why not? Um, and uh, and now we're talking about how like jobs don't actually pay people what they're worth, and people don't actually have access. People don't have access to the
2: same opportunities. Um, I guess, and, and like the qualifier, I would say is jobs don't pay what they're worth if the worth is based in labor.
0: Hmm. Mm, okay.
2: You know, like that's that's where that's where capitalism is having a conflict with itself.
0: Capitalism just so upholds racism that like I could never stand up for it but I do I do struggle with I used to struggle with paying like fast food workers more but I do actually think everybody deserves a livable wage now
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I deserve more than somebody who's at like the bare minimum <laughs> livable wage like that's how I feel <laughs> cuz I just have too many student loans you know like I know a lot of people that feel like everybody should make the same amount of money. And I'm like, no, but I don't know why I feel that way. I think I'm just like internally committed to capitalism in some senses. Like, I think I think I'm better than capitalism in some ways. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not in other ways.
2: Yeah, like that, that, that goes
1: against your. Okay, sure. I mean, can any one of us here, does any one of us here like stand for any particular economic system?
0: I have no idea what an economic system is. I can't well, say that I do. The time I thought about it, yeah. an economic system is like bread and butter or something. What? Isn't there? Isn't that like an economic system? I
1: have no, I I don't even know. I, I mean I can say that like I do like I know like there, I do hang out with like Marxists who are all about like who try to reduce everything down to like class conflict and labor and economics, and they have this idea that like oh if we can solve those problems we can solve all problems, and even race is a distraction. And so they try to like fundamentalize like that's the like that's the being heart of the universe, fixing class conflict, and like I'm like it just it, I, I just zone out, yeah, totally, because mm-hmm. that's not like really I, I don't even think that's true necessarily:
0: Oh, demand and supply is bread and butter okay, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing I remember from economics
2: <laughs> right right I don't know if I, I don't know if I can come up with the alternative to like the system that we're in. But like, I think we can agree that it has plenty of flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, least of which is the way it locks people into, um, into cycles of poverty. And, um, and also into, into a cycle where like, because you're, you're paid for your time, it becomes your identity your work becomes your identity,
1: mm-hmm.
2: sure, like, out of a necessity.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I've seen that firsthand in like the clients that I deal with, who have built up their entire identities around their ability to work. And then something mm-hmm. happens to them, like they get injured or they get sick, and then they can't work. And then it throws their entire it throws their entire identity into question because they built their whole lives around this idea that they are a working member of society so they um and suddenly they're 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 left with this situation where even like no matter how hard they want to work they cannot um and and then and now they're in a society where they themselves have been telling themselves that they're they're worthy because they are able to work and they live in a society that tells them that they're worthy because they're able to work so what are they supposed to do with themselves now um and that's a tough position to be in, especially in a society that tells you you're only worth as much as you you produce. So like, if you can't produce, if you're just incapable of it for no fault of your own, I mean, what can you do with that?
0: I also think valuing people on what they can br- produce makes shifts the way you interact with them in a second. So like, I think fat phobia is rooted in Mm. like elements of capitalism. Like you're too fat to really be able to labor and do things. So like that influences why I don't respect you. Um, I think the way we interact with very young people, like children and the way we interact with old people. And I'm a a friend recently pointed this out to me. So elements of this is coming from this conversation. Mm. Um, But she was like, you know, we treat little kids and old people like shit because they can't do shit yet
1: or mm-hmm. they can't
0: do shit anymore. Um, so they're no longer valuable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like disabled people, a lot of the conversation is like what they used to do before they got, before they became disabled or the potential they have because they're really smart. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. you, you feel like they ha- you have to prepare prove that they can produce or do something to to see them as a valuable member of society and i think that we need to start like challenging that like mm-hmm. if somebody has never done anything not one day in their life i wouldn't agree with that because i think working is good for mental health um but if somebody never worked a day in their life they're just as valuable as me who's been working since i was like 16.
1: Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I'm thinking about uh, drawing from theologically is from Walter Brueggemann's Sabbath as resistance. And basically, what he argues is that the, the fourth commandment, keeping the Sabbath, not not working for a day, and modeling that behavior on God is actually an act of resistance. And if you put it in the context of the story of the Exodus, where you have slaves who are forced to work and produce bricks, and now they are leaving their that place of slavery, they're being liberated, and now God is telling them, You are going to rest for this day um, is an act of resistance against an imperial system. I think let me see if I can read this passage here. Thus the Sabbath commandment is drawn into the Exodus narrative, for the God who rests is the God who emancipates from slavery and consequently from the work system of Egypt and from the gods of Egypt. Who require and legitimate that work system? His idea, his argument here is that basically Egypt stands in for any kind of socioeconomic imperial system that puts people's worth on their ability to produce and has a society based on scarcity, consumption, and production. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard to internalize obviously like this whole conversation we've been talking about how hard it is for us to get away from this idea that like self-worth is based on what you're able to, to produce because we're stuck in the system that reinforces with everything that we do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this idea that worth is based on on what you can what you can do
0: i think it's especially the case for black people who mm-hmm. have like been laborers mm-hmm. like con- not even considered human just consider almost like um Machines to produce things. I think it's really been hard for black folks to like shake the idea that we're only valuable based on what we can produce mm-hmm. and the skills and the education that we can get to produce. Like a lot of people, when um Black Panther, what's his name?
1: Chadwick K'Challa. Boseman.
0: Chadwick Boseman. Um, T'Challa. <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, like, I, nice.
1: both? <laughs> that is, that is, I mean, that is Black Panther's name.
0: Yeah. Um, when Chadwick Bozeman died, so many people latched on to the fact that he didn't say anything about his ailment mm-hmm. and kept working until he died. Mm-hmm. And, like think that's the hot take that we should have gotten from that you know right. like that was an individual <laughs> decision that he made mm-hmm. but I saw one meme that was like and a bunch of people jumped on my status and was like meh, meh, what's wrong with you this is fine and I was just like all y'all bitches need to be in therapy I know y'all personally <laughs> um, but like <laughs> I saw one meme that said, you know, tired today, you're not tired. Not feeling good, you're not feeling, you're feeling fine. Chadwick Boseman worked until he died. And I was like, that is not, (laughs) that is not what we should have gotten from that. That's the worst, most problematic, Mm, capitalistic, dehumanizing takeaway that you can get from his death. I think that his death represented his agency. You know what I mean? Like he made a choice in his death. The way he functioned and operated doesn't have anything to do with you, your value, mm-hmm. or, or not taking care of yourself.
2: Yeah, for sure. That's
0: what I heard from that me.
2: Yeah, I, I know we're this far into this conversation, but it feels like maybe the question is like, maybe the question is is how does work fit into value? Like,
0: that's a good question.
2: I because I think there's a, there's a place for for work and productivity and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um. and we have value but how do those mm-hmm. things all fit together mm-hmm. yeah i mean how would you answer that yeah um i think what's i think what is enticing about capitalism is how um how reductive it is so you get a result quicker yeah i don't know i don't know if there is an easy answer i, I think actually the the that's possibly part of the problem is um, when you, when you start to extract labor and work from, from human value, it's, it's a lot more complicated of a system. Um. I
0: think, Mm -hmm. I think a duality needs to exist, right? (laughs) So like, I think you can value yourself as um, a laborer and what you can do for society, but that should be just weighed just as heavy as who you are as a person. So, like, yeah, yeah, I can type 80 words per minute. And I'm also really kind and a good listener. Like, yeah, I can plan the shit out of an event. But also, um, I was going to say I'm a good writer, but that's kind of producing something as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to get away from I'm funny. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, being able to see yourself separate from the identity of what you produce... Is important, and I don't think that's something that we're taught to consider. Oh, for sure.
1: Uh, What Walter Brueggemann talks about in Sabbath as Resistance is he looks at the commandment that like not only are the people supposed to rest, but like the animals are supposed to rest, like everything that produces is supposed to rest. And he points Mm -hmm. out the fact that like in resting, everybody is equal in resting. Like, and people, like, there might be dif- differences in the ability of, like, production, but when people, when when Sabbath is taking place, everyone is equal in rest, and it's a mm. way to, to remind everyone um, that, that their worth and inherent dignity doesn't come from their ability to produce because mm-hmm. they're resting on the Sabbath. So, I guess, like, one of the reasons that I'm struggling with this is because I'm, like, talking here about how, like, self-worth is not based on, like, production and I'm talking here about how, like, the Sabbath is a good thing to observe. And not, not yeah. like, in the Seventh-day Adventist way, but, like, just, like, in, in the sense of, like, taking <laughs> a break of, or, or, like, incorporating Sabbath or rest into your routine. I don't know if it's yeah. every Mm-mm. seven days, but even, like, the idea of just doing nothing. I honestly don't incorporate that into my routine on a conscious basis. I don't. Yeah. Like, a lot of my self-worth is is totally based on, like, oh, I do all this stuff and people, like, like me for it. Um, I so I feel like I can't I rest do feel until a little everything's hypocritical done, here. right? Um,
0: I also feel like only white people get to do nothing and still feel valuable.
1: Well, that's totally true, and that's also like one of how the would things... you
0: explain resting to your immigrant parents? Yeah,
1: but and that's like <laughs> one of the uh, going back to Walter Brueggemann again. It, he talks about how in, in Torah, Sabbath is something that's enforced by the community because mm. that's how that's the only way that it can can work otherwise mm-hmm. like if you are on your own trying to sabbath that's like it's it's too hard mm-hmm. um and the the perverse thing is that we live in a society that forces us to disobey that like incentivizes us to break the commandment of sabbath but like when mm-hmm. we, we live in a society that never stops that wants more 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 all the time like it forces us into this into sin so i guess the real question maybe we can we can answer uh, into right now is like how do you cultivate that Sabbath in your life? Mm. How do you remind Mm -hmm. yourself that your value doesn't come from your ability to produce? And I can say for myself that like, I don't, I'm super bad at it. (laughs) I'm not the person to come to when we're talking about Sabbath and rest. So I don't know. I'm curious about whether you guys have dealt with this.
0: So I have come up with a routine for a week now and basically I'm a guru. I'll probably start a YouTube channel. Um, (laughs) So like every night before I've gone to sleep, I've read affirmations to myself. um, And most of them consist of things that like have nothing to do with my productivity.
1: Mm. Like Mm.
0: one of them is that like I'm deeply beautiful, that I'm brilliant and prophetic. Um, And I say that that to myself in the mirror like every night um a couple of times at least like three times and i used to like scoff at people that do affirmations i would be like nah, "Man, mm. that shit doesn't work it has been really really helpful for me this week mm. i'm only one weekend so we'll see how we keep it up but i've felt more energized and more like checked in with myself hmm. i then journal and like wow. write out even the stuff that i don't want to acknowledge um, my painful feelings, my ugly feelings. I like process that in my little journal. Yeah, and then I write in my grateful journal wow. <laughs> what I'm grateful for that day. Look at me, I'm amazing, the oh. guys. And then I meditate for ten minutes.
1: Wow. Okay, so you have like a legit routine.
0: I do. That is. I adopted it this week, though. Okay. So we'll yeah. see how long it lasts. But like, That's I amazing. feel good.
2: You know what's funny about that is I listen to that and I'm like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it
1: is a lot of work.
0: It's probably like an hour forty minutes.
1: Wow, <laughs> that does sound like a lot of work. Uh, yeah, but I, I, on on one, I'm super impressed. Um, here's the thing: like I'm realizing in thinking about probably because I've been feeling kind of overworked recently, but I've been realizing like how impatient I am. The I, the idea of trusting in a methodical process of like taking time to do a certain thing mm-hmm. and trust that it's like working on you despite the fact that you don't see any like immediate result is i'm i'm so bad at that i'm the worst i at am it. too yeah
0: so you know what got me into that routine mm-hmm. my blood pressure was 160 over 108 last week
2: uh-huh. and
0: i was like Uh, I'm going to kill over at any point in time. Yeah, Uh, I had gotten into a minor car accident last Sunday, an argument with somebody on Tuesday, another argument with somebody on Thursday. And then a friend was like, hey, I may have been exposed to COVID and we hung out yesterday. And my blood pressure was like
2: Mm. off
0: the charts by Thursday. So that's what made me adopt this routine Mm. was not wanting to have to get on blood pressure medication.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, I don't think I would have been able to do it. It needs to be, my reasoning needs to be concrete. I save money because I want to buy something. I say I do this because I can immediately see how it can get me to something. Mm-hmm. Taking care of myself usually doesn't, fe- I don't feel that immediate connection. So I totally yeah. identify with what you're saying.
2: That's amazing. I I hope that continues. Um, yeah. I for hope your so health. too. Yeah. It's
0: been so good for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I don't have anything that, um, that, that pointed or, um, methodical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I don't know if this will continue when it gets cold, but one of the nice things about working so much from home has been when, when my blood pressure starts to go up and like, I feel it behind my eyeballs. Um, I walk into our backyard, which is, which is all of 14 square feet. Um, Mm -hmm. but I work during the day so I can walk into my backyard and, and like get some sunshine Mm -hmm. and like look at the garden I've been watering faithfully. Um, maybe, maybe pick a tomato or, or an okra. Um, and it's, it's not elaborate. It's maybe like five minutes. Um, but it's refreshing in a really mm. small practical way.
1: I mean that that sounds really great. Uh I guess this is the part where I would say something but again like <laughs> super bad I think the closest uh, Andrew? the closest the closest thing that I have done to observing this is by is just by reading about it. So this is mm. all like I'm and I'm and I'm and I'm coming face to face with like how how bad it is that I like I, I don't incorporate these like cycles of rest into my life because I, I don't I think it is what God does when He incorporates Sabbath is free the Israelites from the anxiety of production. Like what well, that's one of the things that the Sabbath does. It it liberates it, it, it liberates his people from anxiety. The anxiety that they're not producing enough or that they're they are invited to awareness that life does not consist in frantic production and consumption that reduces everyone else to threat and competitor Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i'm and i'm starting to realize that like the kind of life where you you are just constantly going and you're constantly and you're feeling guilty constantly about how little you're doing it it does like reduce everyone else to threat and competitor yes like i'm always Mm -hmm. comparing myself to like oh this person's doing more than me or like maybe i should worry about this thing um Mm -hmm. and what what Resting does is Brueggemann says is counter anxious productivity with committed neighborliness. Like the way to commit yourself to, to like all the commandments that come after keeping your the Sabbath to loving your neighbor mm. is by stopping and not thinking about like everybody's ability to, to produce and, right. and, and being equal in that restedness. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about your routine, Beth, and I'm like, hmm, like, I got it. I, I, have to, like, maybe some of this is like me being like, oh, I have to catch up to your, to your restfulness, in like, but maybe there's some anxiety there. But <laughs> oh, maybe, you, I don't, Bethany's you me producing
0: a lot of rest. <laughs>
1: right.
0: I would suggest like starting with meditating for like five minutes, mm-hmm. three times a week.
1: something simple that's good i like that that's a real good practical advice it's like a prescription Mm -hmm. yeah i can (laughs) i can use that all right so we've talked about like how we personally observe the sabbath or how we how ideas about how to like observe rest in our own lives but i do want to loop it around to something that we were talking about earlier which is this idea of like if sabbath rest is best observed in in community like with with the structures around us making it easier this whole episode we've been talking about how that's hard or impossible for us to do because our society Mm -hmm. is not ordered around rest in fact it makes it harder hard or impossible to rest so i guess like what do you guys think or what are some ideas or what do you think of this idea of what would make it easier for people to to rest or to observe the sabbath in our society and i don't mean like passing those Sabbath laws that make it illegal for stores to be open on Sunday or something like mm-hmm. that, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, that would
1: like,
0: just take money from people. Right, from exactly.
1: People. And, like, earlier, yeah. Beth, you were talking about how, like, it's hard for poor people to, to rest, to observe rest, mm-hmm. you know, because they're you're worried about a thousand different things. Mm-hmm. So that the idea of resting is, like, society makes it so you can't. So it's mm-hmm. disadvantageous to you. And when God is telling you to rest and money is telling you, like, not to rest... It's like that, why that it's it's it is horrible and sinful that we put people in that position to choose between yeah. those things. Yeah. So I guess like I guess my question here is like what like what are some ideas that we can think of that would make it easier for people to choose God to choose rest in
2: society? You know. Yeah. Um, Beth, you, you, you go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I was just thinking. I feel like it's almost impossible for. Poor people, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's trying to survive. I, I would love to think of like folks, you know, living in a house together communally and taking care of each other's children. But even that's really hard and kind of. Um, there's so much work that would get to having the opera. Like there's so much groundwork mm-hmm. that would go into folks finally having the opportunity to rest so like essentially you have to work really 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 fucking hard and organize before you can rest in a way that the wealthy or people that have different advantages would not have to work as hard you know like there's way more output before you can rest yeah so yeah like i don't i don't know what it looks like for poor black and brown folks
1: well, I mean, I think what you just mentioned, the idea, uh, the, 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 the fact of poverty itself is getting in the way of people's, uh, of people needing to rest, of God's demand on us to rest. Right. Um, so, addressing poverty is a way to enforce the Sabbath in that way. I mean, I'm just thinking about what you just said about, like, housing and where, like, you want to talk about, co- like, communal housing. And I'm talking, I'm thinking about, like, a few years ago, like, I, I met this person who was struggling with housing and they were saying how, like, in the wintertime when the shelters are full, they just walk all night mm. to avoid freezing to death. You know, he has to keep moving in order to stop from dying mm-hmm. yeah. because of his poverty. And it's not, and like, he literally cannot rest because, like, rest would kill him. So, I mean, I think the solution for a situation like that is get him housing right, so that he doesn't have to walk all night, you know? So, like... I don't know. That's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of like how can we relieve the demands of poverty so that people can rest. And what you already, you know, so does, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, right. It actually takes the people that have advantages collaborating and strategically thinking with those who are impoverished. Mm-hmm about how can we get you rest and get you the things that you need to rest like it has to come from a systemic level yeah
1: Yeah, like telling poor people like you need to rest you need to take some time for
2: yourself (laughs) that's not helpful at all no the most the most radical part of this equation is is one where wealthy people choose not to be as wealthy like, choose to give a, a portion and maybe even, like, a substantial portion of their income um, toward a communal way where people aren't poor in, mm-hmm. their, in their sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, like, choosing as a CEO not to be so, so much richer than the, the poorest person who works for you. Mm-hmm. Like flattening out some things, maybe even like capping how wealthy you get and giving everything else away.
0: That part, there definitely needs to be wealth caps. There's no reason for anybody to ever be a
2: billionaire. Or, I mean, like, are we really talking about trillionaires right now?
0: Like, Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos. Is Jeff Bezos
2: really on his way to being a trillionaire? Like, who needs that much money? That's a country's worth of wealth. Right.
0: (laughs) It's insane.
1: Yeah, especially during the pandemic, when when the wealthiest have, have gotten more wealthy, sure. yeah, and the demands of all that have been placed on on the people who have who have the least, and who are most deprived of rest.
2: Meanwhile, yeah. like people who can afford to, have just been sitting at home. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, so many things sort of like center on shelter and and also like care. Like, mm-hmm. I think we just, like, it would be nice if we decided that, like, people are worth um, the expense of healthcare, which is not um, a money-making enterprise and shouldn't be.
0: It is, but it shouldn't be.
1: Yes. I mean, and, like, uh, again, going back to this idea of rest, like, if you are sick, you deserve to rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like you don't yeah. like the anxiety and the stress and the extra work that it comes into, either taking care of yourself or taking care of a family member who is sick that's perverse, that's anti God who demands the rest of us um and so i I mean yeah that that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about like reordering society to allow people to rest you know this this comes to mind um you know uh a few months ago when we were talking about christian cooper bird watching, oh yeah, <laughs> and you were like. <laughs> I like I could totally envision like exactly what he looked like the kind of black guy that goes birdwatching
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I think about how like We all just went apple picking this weekend and Chris was kind of making fun of himself for just like the, just the, the whiteness of the activity <laughs> But here's the thing like the reason that white people are so weird
0: because <laughs> they can be, they have it's time and to money. Be. Yeah,
1: yeah. They get to rest when you yeah. and when you get to rest, you get to explore like these things that are weird, and I mean, yeah. we, and that we see as privileged because the privileged get to do them. Yeah. But like, what does it look like when like all of us are allowed to explore the weirdness of our own humanities?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's the kingdom that we're talking about,
0: and a lot right. of beauty would come from that, like. Mm-hmm. One of my friends, when I posted um, a video of (laughs) the country singers and I was like, apple picking picnics, he messaged me and he was like, I swear (laughs) you were a Karen in a past life. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But like, can you imagine how dope the world would be if like there were more weird black girls like me that do Mm -hmm. that have time and money to do random shit like that? Like, do you know how much beauty would be in the world if a girl from the hood had time to fucking pick apples like that was just like that type of rest yeah, was right. accessible. Yeah. Yeah. The world would be so much better.
2: And they like there's something in there like as we're th- talking about rest like food is an important component of of that like mm-hmm. like sustenance and, and access to to good food like like mm-hmm. we traveled to an hour and 50 minutes away to to pick. Right. Like when it comes when it comes into the city, it ends up being more expensive, those same kinds of commodities that mm-hmm. are even the most basic. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. people's access to food or access to varieties of food. Right. Like imagine if like if if people had the ability to, to, to choose, to rest in the security of food as opposed to worried about like where to get the next food or how much time they have. So right. all they can so McDonalds is the only thing that's available because that's the only thing that's fast enough. Like, the the, ang- the anxious demands of time that stop us from rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just about, like, telling people to, like, to meditate, even though, like, that is a good thing to do. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. reordering, it's reordering our society to allow us to obey God
2: and rest. Yeah, something about all this, I mean, like, smacks of, it really is resistance when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, Andrew. Like mm-hmm. you were saying at the beginning, like, mm-hmm. like we have to resist this this incessant mindset that um, there isn't enough to go around. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we have to start chipping away at that as, as Christians, especially the wealthy ones. Like, we have to challenge our own ideas of how we got to be wealthy in the first place. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Rest is revolutionary resistance. Because yes.
2: mm-hmm. look at all it actually takes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's very intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Individually and socially. Mm -hmm. systemically yeah all right cool are we okay leaving it there
2: yeah yeah that was good
1: all right so um the last thing we like to do is talk about whatever we're into this week beth do you want to kick us off
0: sure so i'm into a bunch of things so the first thing i'm into is our friend jeffy thomas's art um you can follow him on instagram cut ink studio and that's c-u-t-t-i-n-k S-T-U-D-I-O. He has really fantastic work and he gave me a bunch of different items, including like a journal. And I've been using that as my gratefulness journal. So thanks, Jeffy. And then our friend from the Defenders, um, Guy, is a music producer, and he's coming out with a new album that's set to be um, released on October 20th. And a few of the albums that he's really, or a few few of the songs that he's really excited about are um, the anthem, Settle the Score, Blood on the Flag, and Samurai Sword, and my favorite album song title is bad things happen in philadelphia
2: oh he snuck it in
0: mm -hmm. and the last (laughs) thing that i'm into is lovecraft country don't ask me to explain what it is just watch it on hbc hbc i almost said
2: hbcu
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm sick because it's home it's hbcu homecoming season and Mm. corona took it from us Mm. (sighs) anyway but it gave you Lovecraft, lovecraft country yes Um, but Lovecraft Country comes on HBO, um, and it is this fantastic sci-fi, horror, thriller, blackness, white supremacy is the monster show. It's amazing. So everybody should watch it. So like I said, I'm into a bunch of shit this week, but it's all goodness.
2: Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm into, um, some little things, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Today is my birthday. Go ahead. Happy birthday, Chris. Thank you. Wow, Beth. Ouch. Happy birthday.
0: Sorry, Tracy <laughs> just text me and I got super distracted.
2: Leave, leave that ha- in. Leave that in. Let the people let the people hear how little I'm loved on this show. Go ahead and leave that in.
0: Happy birthday, Chris. Happy <laughs> birthday, Chris. <laughs> you are a fountain of youth.
2: Um yeah. Today came with some, some moccasins that my wife bought me, which are super comfortable. Um, nice. and I made a really, well, I didn't make a good pot of chili. I made my first pot of chili and Janine made it better. Um, so this week has been moccasins, um, chili and cornbread, um, in honor of the new season where nice. that's upon us. Nice. I like
0: to acknowledge this season as pumpkin spice season.
2: I just call it the season that shall not be named to um, <laughs> thwart you. <laughs>
1: um, I have been super into uh, the Ip Man movies, which are all on Netflix right now.
2: Oh, all of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, all of them. One through four, starring Donnie Yen. They're all the same, which is Ip Man is a really nice guy who's also a kung fu master who has to step in and, and, and defend his community. Uh, some of them are are kind of silly, but the action is amazing. And I just think it's hilarious how white people in these movies are unilaterally the bad guys. They're unilaterally assholes, which is just a great, like, reversal.
2: <laughs> British accent? Um,
1: some of them are British. Some of them are American. All of them are jerks. Nice. And get what's coming to them through <laughs> Iman's Wing Shan kung fu. Um, they're fun to watch. I recommend them. Uh, special thanks to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications director. Jared Selby does our theme song.
0: And please be sure to write in for, to us. We haven't heard from y'all in a while. So reach out to us at circlemobilizing at gmail.com and let us know what you think about our episodes, whether it's this one or a past one. We miss y'all. So we don't do. be rude. Write, write to us. Hit us up. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, stay black, Little Mermaid.
1: It's the hard thing. Like, what is the question?
0: Like, where do, what is, yeah, what is the question? Like, where do we get our value from? Because Where, like, like how do we relate to capitalism as Christians? Like, what are we trying to say?
1: Both of those are fine and the abstract, but I'm trying to get to like something one of us actually believes, because that's like the only way to have a good conversation here.
0: I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get rich off of this podcast so we can't
1: (laughs) talk too much
0: shit about capitalism. (laughs) I got student
1: loans.
2: I know. Like, where are we when racism ends? Does this podcast still exist?
0: Right. (laughs) We got to perpetuate racism Uh so we can still do this podcast.
1: Uh, That's the soundbite that gets you on Fox News. (laughs) (laughs) Ha. <laughs>